Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Amy Rushworth Show. This episode has been a long time coming, and we're going to talk all about the difference between being unapologetic versus being a heartless bitch. (laughs) Some of you in my community have sent in questions, so I'm going to cover those and weave them into this episode, but let's get right down to it and talk about the key differences between these two ways of being. So to me, being unapologetic, which you hear me talk about all the time, it's a huge part of my work, my medicine, my soul path in the world. To me, it's about stripping back the layers of who society told you to be, what society says you should be, and returning to your true self. You're not becoming someone else. You're simply no longer hiding or pretending to be who you think other people expect you to be, who you think you should be, who you think you shouldn't be. And you're no longer holding yourself back from expressing yourself, living your life authentically and truly, and you're pursuing what you truly want as the real version of you. Even deeper than that, I believe becoming your most unapologetic self is a journey of learning to validate and accept yourself instead of deriving that security entirely from the outside via other people's approval or their judgment of your worth or your goodness. It's important for me to say that it's a pretty innate human need to want to belong and to feel accepted, to feel understood, to feel seen and heard. And being unapologetically you actually allows you to achieve that instead of trying to quote unquote fit in. But how we normally get that sense of acceptance or kind of a band-aid for what we feel is a lack of acceptance, a lack of understanding, a lack of belonging is we do things to try and fit in. Now, the amazing Brene Brown talks a lot about this. If you haven't read her books, I highly recommend you do. There's so much juicy wisdom, so much great information and wisdom in many of her books. But one of the things that she talks about is the distinction of fitting in versus belonging. 
So she describes belonging as being part of something bigger than yourself. She describes it as the courage to stand alone sometimes and belong to yourself above all else. She also says that belonging is the opposite to fitting in, but often we conflate the two or we mix them up. So Brene Brown describes fitting in as changing ourselves to make other people like us. Fitting in, therefore, is actually a way that we betray ourselves or abandon our true selves. So let's circle back to being unapologetic in that context. Being unapologetic, in my opinion, doesn't mean that you have to suddenly become the loudest person in the room or the most combative. It doesn't mean that you purposely say things to provoke or trigger other people. What it is, is not betraying yourself through people-pleasing. It's not abandoning yourself by hiding your expression as a way of fitting in. What it really is, is authenticity. Now, I want to speak to something that one of my friends, Oren Harris, told me. We had a call and he gave me this amazing metaphor during this call that I'd love to share with you. He shared with me that there's a spectrum between being careless and careful. And in the middle of that spectrum, we have true caring. I love this so much. (laughs) One of the big hesitations or concerns that I've had in the past or many members of my community have expressed to me around becoming more unapologetic is this worry or this belief that people might think that they're just some heartless bitch who doesn't care about how they impact other people. They worry that being unapologetic might be too individualistic and Perhaps, you know, they need to think more about others. They need to think about their impact on others. And I really agree with that. But that's why I love this spectrum because it holds the nuance of this conversation. So this spectrum between carelessness and being too careful shows us that like all things in life, it's not black or white. It's not either you're a selfish bitch or a selfless people pleaser. It's not that you have to choose, even though the world often demands, choose, choose which one you are. Are you this or are you that? I say you get to be caring without having to always walk around on eggshells. You get to honor yourself and also honor other people. You get to honor yourself and also consider the impact that you have on other people. You get to put your life jacket on first and help others put theirs on too. You get to care and also have your own needs and boundaries. Let's just be honest here. We all have selfish and selfless qualities and tendencies. We also might have seasons in our life where we need to be more selfish or selfless because that's what's in the greatest service to that season of our life. For example, If you're a new mama or maybe just a mama in general, there's going to be times in your life where you do have to put your needs aside in service of your children and what's best for them. There's also maybe going to be moments in your journey where you have to be more selfish with your time. Maybe for the mamas, it's both, right? You're being really selfless with your kids, but you have to be a bit more selfish when it comes to your other relationships because 
your energy, your time, your love and care is needed elsewhere. Let's look at the definition of being selfish for a minute. So the definition that I found of this adjective is lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one, one's own personal profit or pleasure. Obviously, that can be a bad thing in some people's view. In other people's view, maybe it's a really good thing, having consideration for yourself first. I guess, again, it's a nuanced thing. It's open to interpretation. The Merriam-Webster online dictionary also defined selfish or selfishness as arising from concern with one's own welfare or advantage in disregard of others. So the reason I wanted to share these definitions is because sometimes we can have that all or nothing thinking when it comes to thoughts or worries like, will people think I'm a selfish bitch? And there are, of course, situations where maybe certain actions or choices might be, you know, in disregard of other people. Maybe there are moments where you haven't thought about the impact of other people. But sometimes we also need to put ourselves first. And sometimes that's coming from a really good place. Sometimes that's coming from the inspiration of our values and the things that are important to us. And sometimes people might have a reaction or interpretation of that. Now let's look at the word unapologetic. I thought this was so interesting, guys. When I looked at the list of synonyms, so words that are similar or mean a similar thing to unapologetic, these are the, some of the words that I saw. Confident, bold, fierce, assertive, energetic, combative, dynamic, brash, audacious, forward. So as you can see, some of those words could be interpreted as really positive things. Unapologetic as a definition can also be not wanting to apologize for something or not showing any remorse or repent. And so again, it's all about the interpretation. It's all about the intentions. It's nuanced. It's down to the situation. So we get to decide through our own interpretation, what does unapologetic mean for us? How do we use that power in our lives? Now, this brings me to something so interesting that I discovered a couple of years ago and I want to share with you. Some of you might be familiar with the Gene Keys. So the Gene Keys, if you don't know, is kind of like human design on steroids. And we have our own map of keys. Certain keys are more influential for other people, similar to like an astrology chart. We all have different things in different spots and different significant placements. So one of my gene keys is gene key 31. And as I was exploring gene key 31 with my mentor at the time, I was blown away by what I was learning in this key. And I want to share it with you because even if you don't have this key, I think what I learned here is so applicable to anyone who's listening who wants to become more unapologetic. So in the gene keys, within each key, you have three levels. So you have a shadow level, you have a gift level, and then you have a city. And a city is kind of like the full embodiment of a spiritual realization. In Sanskrit, the word city means a divine gift. So we have the shadow, the gift, and then we kind of have like the divine 
supreme state of the gift. So in Jinki 31, you have the shadow of arrogance, then you have the gift of leadership, and then you have the city of humility. And I want to describe these to you because let's think about being unapologetic for a second. One of the biggest worries that people have or interpretations that people have of unapologetic women is often that they come across as arrogant or too confident or lacking in humility. So let's talk about it. So the shadow of arrogance in Gene Keys is about seeking attention and recognition and caring about what other people think, trying to please or to provoke them. Then you have the gift of leadership. That gift is about the courage to stay grounded and centered in your heart, self-love and your truth, despite the projections from others. And then you have that top level, which is the city of humility. And this is about trusting the spirit within you, listening to life, dancing and surrendering to the highs and difficult moments. Humility in the gene keys is the knowing that your spirit will always prevail and you will always rise when you live your life from courage and love instead of living your life and making your choices from fear and what other people expect of you or who they expect you should be. And so I think these definitions in the gene keys are so expansive and so different to how we usually think of things like arrogance versus humility. Humility might actually be your most audacious self because you're not basing your personality, your choices, your expression on how other people will react or perceive it. You're dancing with and listening to life. You're listening to the spirit within you. You're serving and leading and acting from love instead of how other people will perceive your goodness or your wrongness or how bad you are versus how good you are. And I think it's important to say this at this point in the conversation. Sometimes people will think that you're a bitch or they'll have an opinion about you, even when you're just being who you are with amazing, good-hearted intentions. We have to remember that everybody in this world, everybody in this world is viewing you and viewing everything through their own lens of lived experiences, conditioning, beliefs, trauma, and judgments. So just because somebody perceives you as a bitch or says that you're a bitch doesn't necessarily mean you were being bitchy. They've interpreted the situation or your behavior in that way, but you get to decide whether you think that that interpretation has merit in how you see the world in terms of your values and you get to choose how you respond to it. Now, you don't have to invalidate their perspective their perspective and their emotional reaction is their perspective and reaction. But you also don't have to invalidate your own truth or cancel your own humanity just because they said so. How can you hold both experiences without needing to make either person right or wrong? Doing that, being able to hold both without making you or them right or wrong becomes a whole lot easier when you've been on this journey doing the healing work to strip back your own wounding and beliefs 
and discovering what your unapologetic self really looks and feels like. Because those wounds and beliefs that you carry that stop you from being unapologetic, that stop all of us from being fully authentic and unapologetic, are the parts of us that make us get defensive and protective when other people criticize or judge us. Picture this with me for just a minute. So as you probably know, I'm Australian, yeah? Imagine someone comes up to me and screams, you are not Australian, you are not. You are lying, you're from Japan. I know you're from Japan. In that situation, what do I do? How do I react? This person is saying I'm not Australian, but I know I'm Australian. There's no doubt in my mind or my heart or my awareness of that. That's the truth. And it's not really a debate because I know it to be true. So in that situation, even though what they're saying is maybe a bit absurd and takes me off guard, it's not something that's going to make me get really insecure or start questioning my reality It's not going to make me start questioning, is what they're saying true? Because I know very calmly and for a fact that I am Australian. I know calmly and for a fact that I am not from Japan. So sure, I could respond to this claim that they're making, maybe I will. But there's no part of me that gets agitated or defensive or feels like I need to prove this person wrong in some kind of debate around it or change something about myself in order to satisfy that interpretation of me. But when we think about being our authentic, unapologetic selves, this is more of a subjective experience, right? The fact is I'm Australian, but being unapologetic, stepping into that, it's more of a subjective experience. It's your experience of how you feel in yourself and how you show up. So it's more open to interpretation from both sides. So when someone criticizes you and you still have a bit of that insecurity around who you really are, you still have conditioning inside of you that says, maybe it's not safe to speak my truth or to be that assertive or to disagree with people or to be this bold. It's a shaky sense of self there and so when someone criticizes that or they call you out for being assertive or for your confidence you might start to question yourself because it's still a new thing that you're claiming it doesn't feel like truth and facts yet in your system so when someone questions you being so unapologetic it can bring up emotions and fear it can bring up question marks for you And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be that way. What it does mean is that you're still learning how to stay centered in your own heart, your own courage, authenticity, and self-love. And that is totally okay to be learning how to reclaim that. It's normal to have a shaky experience of that when it's something that you're rewriting from years of conditioning, when it's something that's still pretty new to you. It's normal for that shakiness to occur when you're still learning the difference between belonging versus fitting in. It's normal to feel emotions when someone criticizes you when you're still learning how to 
set boundaries comfortably and confidently when you're still learning how to engage in healthy conflict or having a voice or being a strong-willed person. This brings me to a question that someone in my community reached out with and they asked me to address a certain situation that they were dealing with. So I'm going to do that now. This person asked, what do you do when you're around people who don't understand you, who engage in conversations that you don't resonate with? How do you not engage or entertain them in these topics of conversation without them perceiving you as a bitch? I think this is a great, great question. So let's talk about the word bitch here for a second. This is kind of what this episode is all about. The term bitch originated as like a slang word towards women who were considered to be unreasonable, aggressive, strong-willed, or controlling. And I think it's interesting that these qualities are often celebrated in men, or at the very least, they're tolerated or seen as pretty normal. But for women who aren't this, this typical definition or embodiment of being submissive or their strong willed, opinionated, or not willing to simply lay down and just take whatever shit they're handed, they're often labeled as bitches. Now, the nuance here is, of course, there can be people who, let's say, act in bitchy ways. In my opinion, that's being more like catty, manipulative, dishonest, intentionally nasty, unnecessarily rude, without consideration for how that's impacting people. But circling back to the original question here, is it bitchy to not engage in conversations that go against your values? Maybe it's not conventionally polite to do that, but is it bitchy? My opinion, no. I think it comes down to how you communicate in these situations. And as to whether people think that you communicating that makes you a bitch, well, again, that's up to their interpretation and you cannot control how people perceive that. What you can control is communicating directly, honest, honestly, compassionately, but transparently. So if someone is sitting in front of you making harmful remarks, engaging in gossip, and that isn't okay with you, I'd say the most brave and authentic thing to do is to communicate that or set a boundary. And you don't need to make them wrong or put yourself on some holy pedestal or sort of put yourself forward as being so much better than them. But you might say something like, I'm noticing that this conversation doesn't feel good for me to participate in. I'm noticing that the last few times that we have hung out, the conversation tends to focus a lot on X and that doesn't feel good for me. In future, when we hang out, my request would be that we don't have those conversations together. You might also say something like, I don't talk about people behind their backs, so I'm not going to be part of this conversation while so-and-so isn't here. Or, I love you guys, but this topic is making me feel uncomfortable. I'd prefer to change the subject, but if you don't want to, then I'm going to leave. Thanks for having me. Let's say the conversation is something that's 
flat out, ignorant, racist, just something really not okay, I feel like naming that very direct, directly is also very brave and probably necessary. Getting up and walking away can also be a boundary. And I want to say here that there's no doubt that speaking directly like this might make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. They might get butt hurt or react. You know, in our society, there's a really big emphasis on conventional manners and sort of behaving in a certain way, a bit of a veiled way of communicating with each other, particularly between women. I feel like with men, men typically, not to stereotype, but tend to speak more directly about things. A lot of women have been raised and conditioned to sort of be more nice, nice in inverted commas, which is different to being kind, by the way. We won't go down that tangent, <laughs> down that rabbit hole. But what I want to assure you about this is that being direct and honest with your boundaries and your requirements and standards in your relationships isn't bitchy or selfish. It is healthy. It is authentic. Some people might think you're rude or impolite. They might get triggered by you standing up for yourself or stating your boundaries. But censoring yourself or pretending to be interested in something that doesn't feel good that asks you to abandon your values, that asks you to participate in relational dynamics that make you feel uncomfortable, that is unhealthy. That is not honest. Your boundaries don't have to be this electric fence either. Right? This is also where I think communication and being able to self-regulate your nervous system is going to help you because when you communicate this honestly and directly and calmly, that's probably going to work out at least sometimes a bit differently to when you say it from a kind of reactive or a defensive place. That's sort of more likely to get you the bitch label. Although that being said, you might communicate really neutrally and honestly and kindly and someone might still call you that. Again, we don't have control, but I think having clearly communicated calm boundaries with people, you're more likely to get a better outcome in those situations. The boundaries don't have to be like an electric fence that shocks someone, but our boundaries do show people how we require to be treated. And that's a kind of really honest thing. You're not saying you have to like treat me this way. But you're saying if we're going to be in relationship with each other, then this is how I need to be treated. And then they can say yes or they can say no. And then the relationship ends or changes. We're showing people with our boundaries how we need to be treated, how we desire to be loved and communicated with. And in a healthy relationship, when those boundaries are honestly expressed from both sides, the relationship can get better and more intimate and more loving and deep. If you're a recovering people pleaser or you find it really hard to hold firm on your boundaries, this conversation is definitely for you uh, because a lot of recovering people pleasers have that fear or hesitation 
worrying that people will think that they've suddenly just become this heartless bitch. So this next part is for you if you identify with that. I want you to know that sometimes you're going to get pushback when you're showing up as your most unapologetic self or you're learning to show up that way or you're setting boundaries, making your requirements known in relationships, especially if you've been in relationships for a long time where you haven't done those things. And so these people know the former version of you and there can be a bit of shock or a bit of pushback or a bit of confusion when you suddenly start stepping out of your cage or your box and saying, hey, this is what I need. This is what I'm not okay with. So that pushback is kind of common. And here are a few things I want you to remember so that as you start doing this and you're worried, people are going to think I'm a bitch. These are going to be little reminders for you to keep going and to keep showing up and doing the work. So number one, remember that you can have empathy for other people and still hold true to your boundaries. So if someone is pushing back on your boundary, say you say you're not comfortable with something anymore and they push back and they say, well, how would I know that you've always said yes to this or that seems a bit out of character for you. I don't really understand where this is coming from. You might respond to that and say, I totally understand that this feels out of the blue because in our relationship, I've always said yes to that and I've always said that it was okay. But what I want you to know is I'm doing a lot of work on myself and I'm realizing through this honest self-inquiry that these things actually don't feel good for me anymore. And so this is my boundary now. Are you able to meet me there? Are you able to honor and respect this? Number two It's okay to walk away from people who cannot or refuse to honor you, especially if you've made your boundaries and your requirements known and they're not consenting to that, they're not honoring that or accepting that. You're allowed to walk away from people who aren't meeting your needs and the things that you require in any healthy relationship. Number three, it is okay to repeat your boundaries many times. You might start to feel like a bit of a broken record, but sometimes we need to set boundaries more than once, especially if it's someone who's been in your life a long time, maybe a parent, someone in your family, someone you've been friends with since childhood. You might need to repeat and keep claiming those boundaries a few times. If it's happening for a very, very long time, you keep saying it, people keep not meeting you there, that might be a moment where you reflect on where that relationship is going to go from there. Number four, it is okay and probable that some relationships will take on new forms as you evolve and dissolve your old ways of being. So there might be some people who don't like this new yet true version of you. They actually prefer the more inauthentic version of you. They preferred it when you were more of a doormat. They preferred it when you just agreed with everything they said. They preferred it when they had the dominating power over you. And they don't like it when there's more quality or there's more honesty. So some relationships may have to take on new forms. You might notice that you don't want to be as close or intimated with certain people. I know for me throughout my life, there's definitely been people that I've had to 
really take a step back from and not be friends with for a while. And I've been able to come back into those relationships months or years later and see those relationships for what they are. Like, for example, you might have friendships that were super close that later become friends that you just have a fun time with occasionally, or they're just a the occasional coffee catch up friend rather than the friend that you're always answering the phone calls to at any hour of the day. So it's okay that some relationships might shift and change over time. And some of those relationships might dissolve temporarily. And as you become more and more secure in your unapologetic self, you might be able to relate differently to that person later. I know that for me, there's a lot of friendships that have come full circle where because I'm way more confident and sure of myself and unshakable in that, I'm able to more calmly and healthily relate with certain people that I had to cut out almost entirely for a period of time while I worked on that. Number five is to know and remember that people are not mind readers. So you have to be the one who's going to be honest about who you are what you stand for, and what you need and desire from others. I think so much conflict and avoidance and breakdown of relationships or even certain people judging you or thinking you're a bitch as you become more empowered comes down to the fact that we expect people to know things that we think are like second nature things. We expect people to show up how we would show up. We expect people to just know things that we're feeling or going through. And the truth is, is that, like I said, everyone sees the world and behaves through their own lens, through this kaleidoscope of all their different life experiences, their conditioning, their cultural beliefs, their family beliefs, their school conditioning, their trauma, their wounds, you know, like it's so complex and we don't always see eye to eye but we can try and see more eye to eye if we communicate honestly. And we can't control if other people do that, but we can always be a stand for that. We can be the one who goes first in a relationship and dares to be honest and to share the hard thing or to share with that person what we really need, even though it's awkward and uncomfortable. We can't control if they show up and meet us there, but we can be the one to live by example. Number six, unconditional love does not equal unconditional acceptance of bad behavior. That is not my quote. That is a quote from Jahanvi Tiwan. I'll repeat it. Unconditional love does not equal unconditional acceptance of bad behavior. So we get to untangle our meaning of what it is to love and cherish people from giving them unconditional access to us or unconditional forgiveness for behavior that doesn't feel right or doesn't feel good for us. We don't have to enmesh the two. Now, I want to talk about something. This was inspired by a conversation I had with a friend the other day. And we were talking about this idea of when people say about women, how dare she? How dare she be so outspoken? How dare she be so confident? How dare she be so successful, so sexually empowered on the internet? How dare she be that age in a bikini on Instagram? 
And I've often thought, and I was saying this to my friend, that when other women say that, how dare she about other women, it's actually code language for this unconscious part of them that's really saying, why is she allowed to do that and I'm not? Now, I'm not talking about situations where people are being actively harmful or doing something really racist or just doing something to purposely trigger or provoke a negative response in other people or being insulting to others. So again, let's bring the nuance to this. I'm talking about situations where you or a woman is showing up in her authentic expression or you know, joyfully, uh, visibly showing her success or her demeanor, uh, you know, her authentic demeanor is triggering or activating an emotional response, a defensiveness or an insecurity in another person or another woman. So a lot of people in this world are not super self-aware. I think we know this, yeah? There's a lot of people who don't do any kind of therapy or coaching, whether that's because they choose not to or they don't have access to that or, you know, their um, socioeconomic status doesn't afford them that. But there's a lot of people in the world who have not really ever examined, looked at their internal beliefs and why they think or react the way they do. So for whatever reason access or choice, there's a lot of people who don't have that awareness. So when people see you doing something or being something that they've never been given permission to do or be, or they've never given themselves permission to do or be, you doing that or visibly embodying that can be confronting for people. It disrupts their belief system. It disrupts their belief system of what they think is true, what they think is right and wrong. And if they're not super self-aware or able to practice interoception, which is the ability to feel sensations and emotions in your body, your existence might feel like an attack on their version of right and wrong. If they're a self-aware person, this might actually be an amazing aha moment. It might lead to powerful self-reflection. I've experienced being on the other side of that and actually on both sides of that many, many times as someone who is very visible and very expressed and unapologetic on the internet in front of a lot of people. I've had many people share that when they first saw things that I was saying or creating, how I expressed myself online, that they had like a really visceral reaction to that. But they stuck around and they had the self-awareness to know like, oh, this is a really big response to somebody that I don't know who's not actually hurting anyone. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. And when they did that, a lot of them realized, actually, I'm not triggered. Amy is just showing me where I wasn't giving myself permission to do or be something. And the ones who have shared that with me are the ones that have then gone on usually to stick around or be in some of my programs and who now really love uh, the things that initially really disturbed them. They're now embodying those things. So 
either way, whether it's someone reacting to you or saying, how dare she be so big or how dare she be so loud or unapologetic because of their own beliefs, or maybe they have a difference of values, you know, either way, whatever the scenario is, managing other autonomous adults reactions to you is not your responsibility, nor is it something that's anywhere near in your control. There is no way you can control that. You cannot reach through your screen or even if you're having a conversation with someone, they could be smiling and inside they're like metaphorically sending daggers your way. We have no way of controlling that or even fully knowing what's behind that or what's really going on. But all we can do, and I think it's a pretty beautiful thing we can do in this life, is to dare to show up as the freest, most empowered versions of ourselves and live in accordance with our own template of values. I want to leave you with one last thing. I've got a couple of quotes I want to leave you with and one last thing I want to say. Let's start with the quotes. This one's from Tiny Buddha Official. You can't keep getting mad at people for sucking the life out of you if you keep giving them the straw. So recovering people pleases, that's a bit of tough love for you, unapologetically, but I think that this is an empowering realization that you have agency and power over who you give access to you. You have power to say no. You have power to reassess, reevaluate, or change relationships that don't honor you. You have the power to do the healing work, to show up more honestly in your communication, to know what your yes and no is. And this is ultimately taking radical responsibility for becoming the most unapologetic version of you instead of outsourcing that power through anger towards other people. The second quote, it's an anonymous author. I tried to find who it was, but I couldn't find it anywhere. You can't spend your whole life holding the door open for people and then being angry that they didn't thank you. Nobody asked you to hold the fucking door. If you are someone who wants to be on this journey of being unapologetic, remember at the end of your life, all those people that you tried to please, that you tried to make like you, that you tried to prove you were so good for, how all the, all the people you try to prove in their eyes, I'm so good, please like me. None of those people are probably going to remember you and you're probably not even going to remember who half of, the, half of them were. So ask yourself, do I want to keep spending my whole life holding the door open, hoping that people will think that I'm good, hoping that they won't react to my bigness, hoping that they will like me, Or do I want to hold that door open for myself, walk through it and into my best fucking life where the people that I impacted valued and respected me and I valued and respected them. I saw people for who they were and they saw me for who I really was. You get to decide, but you can't do that when you're holding the door open for absolutely anyone and then being angry that they didn't thank you.
Because the thing is, the people who are always perpetually criticizing other people, they'll never say thank you. They'll never be satisfied. The third and last quote is, honoring yourself sometimes means that you have to be the bad guy in someone else's story. That quote is from Kaylee Rose Therapy. She's got a great Instagram account, by the way. If you like like therapy accounts, I really like hers. And this reminds me of a recent reel that I did. It was about five things that I said goodbye to when I turned 30. And I touched on something similar to this. Uh, I said something like needing to be the good guy in everyone's story. And I've made reels before about the fact that you will be the villain in someone's story some of the time. So you might as well write a good fucking story. <laughs> the thing is, sometimes you have to do what's right for you in order to be able to go to sleep at night and know that you embodied your values. And sometimes honoring your values and your truth is not going to be congruent with what someone else wants you to do or who they expect you to be. And that might mean that they have a reaction to you, they paint you as the villain or the bad guy. The very last thing that I want to leave you with is this. Being unapologetic is about deep self-love that overflows. And from that overflow, you can love other people more generously and authentically without resentment. It's honest self-love and honest love. Being unapologetic allows you to be the true imperfect version of you and not being sorry for who you really are. Imperfections, warts and all. We all have imperfections. We all have flaws, if you would even call them that, because, you know, is it flawed or is it just being human? I would say it's just being human. And at the deepest level, being on this journey of becoming your most unapologetic self is a deep liberation and healing of shame, unshaming your humanity. I think that that is one of the most powerful things you can do. And it's actually one of the most impactful things that you can do for this world, especially if you're a leader of some kind, because so many of humanity's conflicts, so many issues in this world are rooted in deep shame and rooted in this not enoughness or this sense of needing to accumulate more, be better or be perfect. Unshaming your humanity is what I mean when I talk about becoming more unapologetically you. I think this is revolutionary in a world that constantly demands that we be more of this and less of that and still you didn't get it quite right. I'm inviting you, if you loved this episode, to see this work of becoming more unapologetic as a return to your wholeness and fearless delight in life. Fearless delight. I love that. This work is you unhooking from the heavy burden of having to jump through hoops, trying to be perfect for everyone else and investing that energy into becoming the most true version of yourself that you feel proud of. When you feel at peace and proud of who you are and how you show up through your challenges, through your insecurities, through your conflicts, there is so much space that is created to be truly generous with other people, to be truly creative, 
to live life from love instead of from fear and shame and guilt. And when you unhook or you're on that journey of unhooking from that shame, you're able to share so much more uninhibited light with the rest of the world because you want to, because you get to, not because you have to, not because you have to prove something, not because you have to prove how righteous or good or virtuous you are in the eyes of critics or haters or people who you will never measure up to. It's knowing that you are good instead of having to constantly prove how good or how perfect you are. On that note, I'm going to love you and leave you. I hope this episode helped you to start discerning the differences between being unapologetic versus being a heartless bitch. I would say that being unapologetic is heart work. It is heart-led. Leadership, heart-led kindness, heart-led expression, heart-led living. Because to allow yourself to love yourself wholly and completely makes it so much easier to love others with more compassion, to love others with humility, to love ourselves and consider our impact on others. I think that this work is amazing and that's why I teach it and I think about it and I share about it all the time. So I hope this was valuable for you, love. I will see you on one of the next episodes. Please leave a review if you have a moment and I'll send you a gift and I'm sending you so, so, so much love. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.